0: I'm, I want to talk a little bit about the gospel and the gospel's importance in the process of church planting. And I think often what happens is we, we, uh, we get involved in process around church planting rather than really focusing on the heart of what church planting is. And I have uh, given certainly the last eight or nine years of my life to explore the idea of doing church planting simply. In other words, that we could do church planting in such a way that it doesn't cost much, that it enables almost everyone to be able to to access the idea or do something, and that all it really needs is a spark of some kind. So I'm hoping that as part of this journey that we provide some sparks, preferably a lot of them, uh, that a lot of people feel that maybe what was a little bit beyond them, a little bit unable to reach for them, they could suddenly begin to see themselves doing something that may contribute towards A church plant. The importance of the gospel is absolutely critical in my mind. And I asked a bunch of potential church planters recently what their top important things were in church planting. And and these are some of their responses, but kind of their top three were a supportive sending local church was kind of right at the top. Finances was another key thing that, that, that was raised. And the third thing was venue. A, a venue to kind of get going and start. Well, uh, you may think, well, that's obvious. And 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 those are undoubtedly important things, but they wouldn't be my top three. Uh, and versions of these kind of responses wouldn't probably fit into the top three for me. It's not that they're not important, it's just that they are not first. And 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 tonight, really, I want to talk about what's first, because what's first in, in the scriptures is always the gospel. And and So to unpack what is important in this journey is, first of all, I think the call of God is important. There has to be a call, somebody, a word of the Lord, a prophetic sense, a pioneering sense that God has spoken something that starts us on a journey. And the second idea uh, is the gospel. The gospel is central to the, the operation or the initiation of a local church. And then thirdly, I would say the mission or the adventure or the the beginning of the journey or the process as it starts. And those are kind of my top three versus what to most church planters would be their top three. And I want to unpack that a little bit as to why I think that's really important. Because I want to show you something. That the the call to go or the call to, to be part of this adventure is actually to everyone. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 says, and he said to them, go into all the world. That's how it begins. That there is a charge, a challenge to every single believer to go. So it's not a, uh, I had somebody come and say to me the other day, you know, must I, can I be part of this adventure? Can I do something? I'm waiting for God to speak to me. I said, you don't need to wait for God to speak to you. He's already spoken. It's all over the New Testament. The word is clear. There's a charge to each and every one of us to go. The, the, the gospel proclamation is also for everyone because it carries on in, in, in verse 15 of Mark 16 and proclaim, and it said, go, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. I love this particular part of the mandate versus Matthew 28, 18, which is kind of to a Jewish culture. This is to a Gentile, uh, kind of this, the, the, the gospel of Mark is to the more of a Gentile, more to us and and we are called to go and preach the gospel to the whole of creation it's a call to everyone there's nobody excluded from this idea and the mission and the adventure the potential adventure is also for everyone it is accessible to everyone i'm trying to hold i'm trying to remove the barriers tonight for everyone 1 peter 4:10 in the amplified version says just as each one of you has received a special gift a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employed in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace. Each one, everyone, nobody's excluded, according to the scripture that I read. Each one has been given gifts, calls, purposes, things, skills in your hands that you must employ For the purpose of God's kingdom. Wherever that fits in in the process of doing this, each one of us have been called to employ our gifts and our skills for the sake of the kingdom of God, which fundamentally, in the context of the New Testament, is a gospel preaching adventure. That's what we're all on. Now, in the scriptures, it seems to emphasize family sometimes, or the idea of family and, and, and the broader context of family a little bit more than we do. When, when we use the word family, we often think to ourselves, mom and dad and three kids. But, but in the scriptures, the family idea is a much larger idea. It's, a, it's, it's the idea of, of, yes, mom and dad and kids, but, but also the in-laws and the other people and the aunts and the uncles, and all part of the idea of family, a community around you. The idea that I want to share with you tonight is that that everyone has a responsibility to their community. Every one of us are preachers of the gospel to the community that God has given us. Imagine if in every local church, in every city, in every nation, that every person in that church took responsibility for communicating the gospel to their sphere, to their family. And I'm not talking mom and dad and three kids here. I'm talking about the sphere of people around you, those that are connected to you, your friends, your inner circle, the people that are near you. Uh, uh, sociologists tell us that that is a group of somewhere between 50 and 70 people that are connected to your life. So often we think it is the church's responsibility to reach them. So all I need to do is get this group of people into the ambit of the church and then the gospel must be shared there and someone else can take responsibility for the communication of the gospel. I think inherent, the idea in the scriptures is that each and every one of us are responsible for our sphere, that there is nobody excluded. I can't expect someone else to take responsibility for my family, the people that are immediately rounded about me. It's my responsibility. Matthew chapter 1 uh, starts out with this incredible line, this genealogy. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah, and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, Zerah, Batamah, and, 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 and on and on and on it goes. In verse 16, and Jacob the father of Joseph, Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ why go through the entire genealogy? And there are a couple of reasons why I think Matthew is going through to prove the lineage of Christ. But he's emphasizing the idea of family, of connectedness, of people in our sphere. 114 years ago, my great-grandfather, Olaf Christensen, with two buddies, got on a boat and sailed to Wales. Now, they wanted to go across and experience the wealth revival. That was the idea that they had. And Evan Roberts, who was preaching at the time, who was highly influenced by Jonathan Edwards, there was a revival going on in Wales and all the coal miners were coming out of the coal mines and pubs were closing down and people were getting saved absolutely everywhere and revival was breaking out throughout Wales. My great-grandfather came back to Denmark with a heart to plant churches and began the journey of planting churches all around Denmark. About 200 local churches were planted across the length and breadth of Denmark, which is where I grew up many, many years later. My grandfather, Boer, he was one of the pastors of one of those churches, and my mother grew up in one of those churches that my great-grandfather happened to be part of planting. My dad, who met my mother in one of those churches felt a call from God to go to Africa and came into Zambia many, many years ago. And I was a boy of about 12 years old. And we were in Zambia and planted churches up and down the length and breadth, I remember, of a, a, uh, a stretch of road between Andola and Mufalira in Zambia, for those of you who knows what that is. But we planted churches up and down this little stretch of road in every little village in every town. I, I, I remember one incident on a Sunday when we baptized the whole village in a little, what I can only call a mud hole, uh, dammed up this little, funny little creek. And, and, and it just got more and more muddy. So the last guy actually never got baptized in water. He got baptized in mud, literally. But these little memories of, of churches growing and planting, it plants something in you. Um, these communities that were evangelized. I grew up um, in that context, feeling the, the heart and the desire That was in the heart of God to see local churches planted everywhere. Now, I share the story because my life landed up in a space where I got involved in planting churches and helping church planters around the city of Durban. It's not to tell you how great my family is or to somehow tell you that, oh, what an amazing childhood and what an amazing journey. Every family has its issues and problems. But it's to tell you that The apostolic heart that began in my great-grandfather never died. Family is important. You and I are part of a journey together. We're part of an apostolic family and household. We're connected to one another in the idea that we're on an adventure together with this incredible message of the gospel. And it could seed everywhere through communities and through spheres of influence around each and every person. It's possible. We're on on pilgrimage, as Psalm 84, 5 says. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage or on the highways of Zion. You see, we we think too small when we think about family. We think, think, you know, I've just got to take care of these two or three kids of mine, and that's my thing. No, it's not your thing. There's a much wider idea of the family, of the household of God, of an apostolic adventure that God calls each and everyone to be part of. So we are called to communicate this incredible gospel to our sphere, to our family. Genesis 1 verse 26, God speaks out and says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And the idea that I want to plant in you is that there is an incarnational idea around the gospel. The gospel is not just a message to be communicated with the mouth. It's Christ-indwelling humanity. That the gospel is more than just something to be communicated out of our mouths. It It is a gospel that needs to be expressed and pulsed out through our families, through our communities, through our missional adventures happening around each and every person in a local church. Irenaeus uh, a, a disciple of Polycarp, who was a disciple of John, the apostle, uh, said these words once. the glory of God is man fully alive. The idea is that God's glory can be revealed through a people. His gospel, his message can be revealed through a people who are fully alive, who are fully empowered in this incredible gospel. As believers, we're called to be followers of a way of living, a way of doing life, a way of expressing this gospel to the world. And that really is the heart of what I want to try and kind of communicate with you today. That church planting, often we have many barriers. We have many things that are important, you know, commitment and grit and venues and money and churches and equipment and sound system and all the things that you need. But I want to say this to you, right at the core is the gospel. Right at the beginning is a man or a woman or a family that carries within their DNA the incarnational message of the gospel, You see, in the Scriptures, we have a gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What we really now need is a gospel according to Sophiso, according to Peter, according to Grant, according to Duane. We need a gospel according to you. We need the gospel incarnated through human beings, seen out through families, pulsing its message through families and communities, And in that idea, central to that idea, is church planting. You see, church planting is not first and foremost about the institution, about setting up, you know, having an NPO and sorting yourself out and getting yourself sorted into some kind of, you know, structure or process. But it's actually about the transforming power of the gospel, first and foremost. Robert Logan says this, the relationship between gospel proclamation and church planting is so intimate, it cannot be divorced without doing violence to the mission of the church. We cannot separate the gospel from the idea of church planting. You say, well, RP, that's obvious. You know, how are we ever gonna reach anybody if if we're not doing evangelism? And so we have created this idea that we want church planting is the thing. And we're using evangelism to serve its purpose. I'm saying, no, 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 no. Got it the wrong way around. The gospel is the thing. Church planting is its outcome, is its result. It's the other way around. So if we focus all of our attention on church planting, we end up getting caught up in process. Things that need to happen, the money that needs to be in the, in place, and all the, and it holds too many people away from being able to do this work. They can't do it because they don't seem to have all the little components fitting in together. The bricks are not falling in place, and you know the visas are not there. The stuff that I need is not there. The things that I need to accomplish the job is just not in place, so I can't do it. It's held away from me. And what we do is we hold away from many people who potentially could lead great local churches. The idea that the gospel is incarnated in you. And everyone has a call. I'm not saying everyone will be a church planter. Don't misunderstand me. But everyone is a gospel preacher. Everyone must incarnate this message and let it pulse, let it speak to the world. We must do mission. We must do gospel before we think about doing church. You see, one of the great challenges I suspect is that for many of us in reaching a city or reaching a region or wanting to preach the gospel, is we somehow think that we, you know, maybe I'm not the right guy. Maybe I don't have the right goods to do this job. And I'm here to say to you, we need exactly what you've got. We need exactly the, the uniqueness. Maybe sometimes have e- people have even labeled you strange, a little different, a little odd. So, well, how could God possibly use me to do anything? Because we need to reach more people like you. And if we, if we only have people like me planting churches, guess what? We'll only reach people like me. We need more people like you. We need everyone mobilized. We need the tall, the short, the fat and the ugly. I mean, I, I'm just kidding, but we need everybody. We need the intelligent, we need the poor, we need the, the unemployed, we need, we need everybody engaged in this gospel adventure, if we want to have any hope of reaching everybody. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 19 says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in all its blessing. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. The world wants to sell people the idea that you are not good enough. You can't do it. You don't have the right goods. You don't have the right anointing. You don't have the right power. You don't have the right stuff. Uh, I, I, and I'm, I'm doing this tongue in cheek, but if you have curly hair, you need a straightened. If you have straight hair, you need to curl it. If you're dark-skinned, you need to be lighter. And if you're light-skinned, you need to be darker. And if you're fat, you need to be thin. And if you're too thin, we need to fix you somehow. You see, there's always something wrong. There's always something that's not good enough about you. And so every program I have found is here to adjust you, to help you to be a better person, to be more suited and more fitting into the role. And I'm here to tell you that God needs exactly you with all your quirkiness, with all your issues, with all your stuff, because we need to reach people who are just like you. And the only way we will effectively do that is to mobilize everyone, mobilize every person with their uniqueness. The, people, the man that sits behind his computer screen, and that's his thing. That's his relationship. And all his relationships are through that jolly screen. He doesn't really even talk to anybody. doesn't like talking to people. But there are thousands of people just like him who need to be reached through that screen, just like him. And guess who God is going to use? The guy sitting behind that computer. God's going to use to open up doors and reach people that maybe could never be reached by you and I. These are the possibilities. These are the ideas about how this message needs to go. I, I share this particular idea with you uh, because I think often we think that... Um, Church planting or the idea of church is the first and foremost idea in the scriptures. Church is important. Don't think I'm diminishing it in any way. It is important. But I want to tell you that church is not the number one agenda of the New Testament. The gospel is. The gospel is the number one agenda of the New Testament. I want to go so far as to say um, that that Paul is Paul was not primarily a church planter. You, you may disagree with me. He said, "Well it didn't, Paul didn't plant any churches in the New Testament. So well, didn't he plant every church almost in the New Testament?" Actually, no, he did not. What Paul did is he preached the gospel in every town he went into. And when people believed and were gathered to the gospel, churches resulted. Churches were the consequence of gospel preaching, not the other way around. Paul arrives in Thessalonica. What does it say? He arrives and he stays for three Sabbaths. That's all. Three weekends he's there. The first weekend he's preaching in the synagogue, they smell a rat because they realize, geez, he's not preaching the normal stuff. So they chuck him out. But in the meantime, it says, many believed. So now they're meeting elsewhere, second Sabbath. They're connecting elsewhere, and they're meeting together, and it says many more believed. Third Sabbath, they're meeting again, and they meet again, and more people believe again, and then it says these simple words. Paul leaves. Really? He goes. Corinth. He disappears. Three Sabbaths in Thessalonica, three Sabbaths, many people believed, and Paul leaves. Well, one month, church history tells us, one month later, the, the letter to the Thessalonian church, the first epistle, is written back to Thessalonica from Corinth, and Paul is the writer of that letter. I have questions: What church? Who's the pastor? Who's the leaders? Where are they meeting? Those are the kind of questions I have. I mean, this—this this is surely this was not a this was not an official church plant yet, right? Well, according to the scriptures, people believed. The gospel saved them. The gospel gathered them. The gospel connected them into community. And then there was a church. You see, this is what the gospel does. I think sometimes we undervalue its effect and its power. It doesn't just save people. It gathers people into community. It transforms people's lives. It takes them on a journey that changes the circumstances of their lives completely and alters them, and churches begin. This is the journey of the New Testament. This is why I can say with some degree of confidence that Paul never planted a single church in the New Testament. Many, many churches resulted from Paul's ministry, but it was a gospel preaching ministry. Every town he went into, he went into the place that would receive him, which was mostly the synagogue, and he preached the gospel. People believed Paul would leave, churches would happen. Why? Because the gospel has inherent power in it to gather people into communities. Is it possible that we could mobilize a whole bunch more people than we are mobilizing right now on this gospel preaching adventure? Is it possible that there are people sitting in our congregations, there are people sitting within the hearing of my voice right now and thinking, I think I could do that. I could be a gospel preacher. I could start a community, allow the gospel to begin a journey. Does that make you a church planter? Well, maybe it does. I mean, who knows where that's going to end? Who knows what that could do to the local churches all around the world? Uh, somebody shared a story with me once about the difference between elephants and rabbits. And I know I've shared it at one of the equips before. But elephants have the longest gestation period in nature, nearly two full years, and at the end of that gestation period, this 260-pound baby will feed on his mother's milk for about six months. This whole cycle doesn't start again for the mother until her calf is fully weaned, and for the calf, it will take 15 years before she can begin her own reproductive process. Let's compare that to rabbits. The the, the reproductive life cycle of a rabbit is, the gestation period of a rabbit is usually about a month. At birth, a single female rabbit will typically expect not one, but up to 14 babies in a litter. Within minutes after giving birth, it's possible for the female rabbit to be impregnated again. That means a female rabbit can potentially have one litter per month. And as early as six months into their life, rabbits will begin reproducing themselves, What a difference that is. If a rabbit has an average of three female babies per litter per month, then at the end of year one, there will be 37 female rabbits, including the mother. If all 37 reproduce at the same rate, then at the end of two years, there will be a total of 1,369 female rabbits, including the original. At the end of year three, it jumps to 50,653, and so on and so on. While the rabbit has 50,653 babies, the elephant has one. Most churches think like elephants. In other words... We don't have enough resources. I'm not sure we can make it happen. We need to get this. We need to get that. We need to, you know, employ someone, get someone sorted. We need a venue. We need a thing, and all the things we need means we end up thinking like elephants instead of thinking like rabbits. That we mobilise, we just multiply everywhere. It's possible for everyone to preach the gospel. It's possible that in the next six years, we get a fifty thousand churches planted out of this very training that we're doing right here imagine that imagine how the world could change if that's how we thought in Romans one of my favorite passages to end this it says this Romans 16:1. I commend you to our sister Phoebe a servant of the church at Centrae verse 3 greet Prisca and Aquila my fellow workers in Christ Jesus greet also also the church in their house Verse 10, greet Apelles who's approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Ast- Astibullus. Verse 11, greet the kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet Acinthius, Plagan, Hermes, Petrobas, Hamas, and the brothers who are with them. And then in verse 15, greet Philegius, Julian, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Here is the idea that all around Rome, they are multiplying like bleming rabbits These communities are everywhere. These missional opportunities are going, they're just in that house and that house and there's another one over there, there's another one over there, there's another gospel preaching adventure. It's received to go on everywhere. This is the idea. Could we start a gospel preaching adventure? It is available to everyone. It is for everyone. The last few years, I've been involved in seeing a builder plant a church, a wedding planner, a jailbird, a businessman, a restaurateur, a vet, several unemployed people, and a refugee. How about you becoming a gospel preacher and seeing what churches may result? How many rabbit thinking churches can we create out of this training that potentially could see thousands upon thousands of gospel-preaching adventures happening all around the world? The gospel is the cornerstone of the message of the New Testament, The church is the result. Let's remember it. Let's keep it in mind as God sends us out on this incredible journey.